Our Old Testament rest, <laughs> our Old Testament reading this morning is Psalm 135, verses 5 through 14. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and God, we do thank you for your word that you have given to us. And Lord, we ask this morning that you would help us to be those who have ears to hear. God, we pray that the word would not uh, fall onto hard hearts, but those hearts that are receptive and ready to receive your word. God, that we would be those who grow and who, um, like seed falling on good soil, those who produce a crop. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us now, that we would understand and that by your word and by your spirit, we would be changed more and more into the people that you have made us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. I pray this in his name. Amen. Psalm 135, verses 5 through 14. I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth, in the seas and all their depths. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. He struck down the firstborn of Egypt, the firstborn of people and animals. He sent his signs and wonders into your midst, Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his servants. He struck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan. And he gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his people Israel. Your name, Lord, endures forever. Your renown, Lord, through all generations. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. Turning then to our gospel reading for this morning. The next little step in the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That is so nice where you, we end this reading with verse 5, and it's sort of like, what happens next? What happens next? Well, this morning, though, we're going to be looking actually at 1 John chapter 1, all of chapter 1, and then the first two verses of chapter 2. And uh, this is part of this Advent series we've been looking at of seeing who Jesus is. And last week we looked at Philippians 2 and the way in which uh, Jesus is in very nature God. And yet, it says, uh, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so this is what we were looking at last week of this is who Jesus is and this is how we are then to live as those who follow him. And um, 
And this morning, we're looking at, as I say, 1 John, uh, basically the first chapter. And this is uh, where we have John, who is writing something to make his joy complete. That's one of the things he tells us in there. He's writing this to make his joy complete. Like, well, what could this possibly be? And before we get to that, I'll tell you this. We've talked about how um, when you see something great, you want to share that. If you eat some wonderful food, you want somebody else to also eat it. If you uh, see a good movie, you're telling people about it. Oh, you got to see this. You got to see it. You got to see it. And there's something about experiencing something wonderful where we want to share it with others. And so uh, that's right. And so last night was the, uh, the Behold the Lamb of God uh, concert that we've been announcing. I, it's one, I had seen this show before, which is why I was telling everybody, oh, you got to see it, you got to see it. And I have to tell you, several of you came out for that show, and I enjoyed the show, but I enjoyed it even more because there were other people that I know and love who were there and also experiencing it. And I, I know that you guys know this sort of experience where your enjoyment of something that you enjoy is even greater when it's shared, right? You know that. So what is it that John has experienced that he wants to share with others? Now, imagine you're a seven-year-old in Sunday school right now. What's the correct answer? Jesus, right? It's always the answer. (laughs) So this is what it is. This is John has experienced Jesus. Jesus is what he wants to share with others. He has enjoyed a fellowship, a closeness of relationship with Jesus, and he wants to share that with others. And that would actually increase his own joy for them to get to share in this too. And um, so we're going to read this, and we've got a few things to say about it. Okay, this is First John 1. Uh, 1 through 2, 2. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. 
We have been reading through the book of Acts, and one of the questions I keep asking as we hit each time that um, one of the apostles is sharing the message, it's like, well, what do you think they're going to say? Like, before we read it, what do you think they're going to say? What do you think there is going to be the message? What are they going to talk about? And it turns out that what they keep talking about is Jesus <laughs> and the forgiveness of sins. And... Uh, and that is good stuff to talk about. That is the message. That is what the same thing that we see here, that John opens this letter by talking about Jesus and the forgiveness of sins. And, um, and the way he talks about this, it's this uh, all in the context of this fellowship. And so if you think about what the problem is, the problem that sin has caused, it, you go all the way back to the beginning with uh, Garden of Eden and before. Like how everything is made right. Everything is the way that it's supposed to be. And then what does sin do? It breaks everything, right? And particularly, it breaks that fellowship between people and God. And so before that, you see God and people together uh, in this close relationship in the garden. And after that, not the same. There has been a break and they are now sent out of the garden, and there will be consequences. But one of the biggest consequences is this break of that close fellowship. You see the same thing before uh, before they eat the fruit with Adam and Eve, and the relationship they have together. That these people are in this close relationship with each other. It actually says that they are naked and they felt no shame. It's this complete openness, vulnerability, and no reason to hide. Because everything is as it's supposed to be. And then immediately after this, what do they do? They're hiding. They're hiding from God. They're hiding from each other. This close fellowship has been broken. This is the problem of sin. And you say, oh, well, that's, you know, long ago and far away. And come on. Have we not lived this ourselves? Have we not ourselves done things that we knew we shouldn't do? And yet in the moment we did... And then we've experienced the consequences of a broken relationship between ourselves and God and between ourselves and other people. We've all lived this, haven't we? And then we come in uh, in the midst of a world where we're all doing this to each other. Sinning against God, sinning against each other, breaking these relationships over and over and over again. And then we come in here on a Sunday morning and we sing about the joy that we have. And we tell each other to rejoice, rejoice. And for a lot of us, we hear this and go, seriously? Why? Why would we rejoice when everything is so messed up? How can anyone rejoice at a time when things are so bad off? Globally, nationally, or in my own life? But it is to a world very much like this that John writes this to make his joy complete. Because he says it's in Jesus that you can have actual restoration of this fellowship. Where we can actually have a close fellowship with God. We can have close fellowship with each other where previously there was a breakdown. There was brokenness. It can be healed. 
there can actually be forgiveness and redemption and restoration. Jesus actually talks about this kind of thing quite a bit, um, this restoration of relationship. In fact, he says it is of such high priority in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, if you are offering your gift at the altar, let's see where it is. Yeah, it says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Do you hear this? This restoring the relationship, seeking reconciliation is a high priority. Uh, for Jesus, this is what uh, what He makes possible, and this is what John then picks up on and talks about, and says uh, that if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Do you hear this? I think we live in a world where we're much more used to walking in the darkness than walking in the light. He says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So if we are those who know the good news of Jesus and what he has done for us and for this world, and yet we continue to walk in the darkness, what are you even doing? Like he is the light He is supposed to be shining uh, the light of life and of truth and of mercy and grace into this world. We're supposed to walk in that and say, if this is the way things really are, this is how we're going to live. And yet, instead, it says, we walk in the darkness, though. We lie. We're not living out the truth. We're living as though Jesus hasn't done anything to shine light on this world, that he hasn't done anything to fix the brokenness, that he hasn't done anything to actually restore fellowship between us and God and between us and each other. But here's the thing, and this is the part that really comes to the forefront with John, is I think we can hear this kind of thing. We can hear the whole story of the Bible, and we can think of it as we hear the word story and go, so like a bedtime story. This is like a story that people make up to tell each other, to help each other feel better about things. And John is having none of that. Did you hear how he opened his letter? He's not saying, hey, so there's this idea that maybe at some point there would be a person who would do something great, or maybe we can tell a story about this um, superhuman person. Like we don't have enough superhero stories, right? But he's like, I'm not telling you one of those. It's not that kind of story. This is more like when we use the word story, like, hey, have I ever told you the story about how I met my wife? Hey, have I ever told you the story about when my kid was in first grade and blah, blah, blah? We use that story not just for fiction. We use that, uh, that word story for things that really happen. So how do you know which is which? John opens his letter. This is the good news. He opens his letter by saying, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, 
This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Do you hear this? He said, I'm not telling you some fictional story. I'm telling you about a guy that I hung out with for three years. I'm telling you about a real person who did real things in this real world. And if it didn't really happen, it's not really good news. But because this really happened, it's really good news. That is what John is talking about. There's a, um, an old David Wilcox song. Uh, it's actually, he sings it, but I think it's actually by somebody else, whatever. But there's this line in the song where it's sort of talking about all these different ideas about God that people have, and then it brings it forward, uh, makes the Jesus connection. It says, some think God is a lover. Some think it's an endless void. Some say both. Some say she's angry. And some say just annoyed. Then he says, But if God felt the hammer in the palm of his hand, then God knows the way we feel. And then love lasts forever, forever and for real. I think this is the point that John is trying to make, that there is is a realness to Jesus that makes this good news, that it is... um, As he writes in his gospel, it is that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Jesus is the light of life. That it is through who he is and what he has done in real life that we can have fellowship with God, that we can have fellowship with one another. That our sins can actually be forgiven. In fact, he makes a point of saying this multiple times right here. As if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and truth is not in us. I think that's the temptation when you read a line like verse 6 where it says, if we claim to have fellowship with one another and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do uh, do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We hear that and I think there's a temptation to be like, oh, well, then uh, I don't walk in the darkness. I only walk in the light. I never sin. I'm a perfect person. And so John immediately comes back on that and says, uh, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the, <laughs> and the truth is not in us. We're like, ah, you got me, John. <laughs> and he follows that up with, if we confess our sins, in other words, if we just admit that we are those who sinned, break fellowship with God and with others. If we admit that, it says he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Comes back on it again. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. And then here's the hope. Says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Think about this. Think about this. We started by talking about all of this brokenness that is all around. But if Jesus is 
who the Bible says he is, if he did what it says he did, then there is an answer to the brokenness. And John talks as one who says, I have already experienced this. I have seen this happen. And uh, I suspect, actually I know, (laughs) quite a few of you have as well. I know personally I have seen relationships that by any worldly measure you would look at and say, oh, that's over. That is done. There will be no fixing that. And in Jesus, I have seen those fixed, healed, restored to beautiful things. I know some of you have seen this. I know some of you have experienced this. Jesus really does do this. And so um, and this is why John is sharing this. I mean, good grief. John, John saw that same kind of thing with all the disciples. They all turned away. And yet Jesus, after his resurrection, brings them all back, restored to a right relationship with him with each other and then sends them out to share this good news. And I think this is why John describes sharing this with others as making his joy complete. Actually uses the plural. We write this to make our joy complete. That there is a fellowship that he already shares with other believers. And he says, more of this, more of this. In fact, the more people who know of the good news of the real Jesus, who really does heal relationships between us and God, us and each other, who actually does forgive sins. Because the more people who know of this, the more people begin to walk in the light the more people who have this fellowship with one another, who have fellowship with God. And the more that's the case, the more our joy increases as we celebrate together the goodness of God and what he is doing in this world through Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we do thank you for um, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. God, for the forgiveness of sins, for the restoration of relationships. That is, it is easy to fall into a worldly despair when we think of sin and the weight and the consequences God, we pray that you would remind us over and over and over again of the good news of Jesus. God, that instead of a worldly despair, we would have a godly joy. I pray that you would help us to have a joy that overflows. God, that we would continue to share this good news of Jesus and the forgiveness um, that he offers to all. That we would continue to share this good news. 
that fellowship bonds would increase and that our joy would be made complete. We pray this all in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.